0: i okay.
1: Let's try it again. Good morning. morning. Hi. <laughs> we are so glad that y'all decided to worship with us this morning. And if you're online, we're really glad that you joined us. My name is Margo Batishbaugh, and I have the privilege to get to serve on both the women's team and the community team here. And if I haven't met you yet, would you please just stop by the the booth outside and just say hello, I would really love to get to meet you. So if you are a young adult in this room or online, we have something exciting. It's a young adult gathering. It's gonna be over in the FSM room on June 22nd at 7 p.m. And what it'll look like is they will have a little bit of worship, and they will have a little bit of teaching, And then you'll get to meet some of the people who are some of the same age and stage that you are that go here to fellowship. So if you're not in a small group, go. It'll be great to get to meet new people. And if you are in a small group, bring your small group with you and get to meet. Um, It'll be really fun. So this past Tuesday, we got to come back to our summer women's Bible study And y'all it was so good. It was so good to get to see women, to get to worship with them, to get to pray with them. And I saw women that I have not seen in a year. And I saw women that I had never seen before. And I was shocked by how many women said, yeah, we moved here during the pandemic and we don't know anybody. And I was also shocked by the women that said, We started watching the services online during the pandemic, and now this is the first day that we're getting to meet some people here at the church. So if you're not in a small group, come join us on Tuesday evenings. We would love to have you. But I want to tell you a story about our last Bible study. It was Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. But when we introduced that study and said that we were gonna do it, we were a little bit surprised that the women weren't that excited about it. And what I heard was, we memorized that when we were kids. What else are we gonna learn? But to a person, every woman said, after they finished, wow, the Lord really met me during that study. I didn't know how much I was like a sheep, and I didn't know how desperately I needed my shepherd. But I wanted to share a story of just one person in particular, and I'm gonna read it to you because I wanna get it right. A woman that went to this study said, the pandemic actually helped us to grow closer. Our group is in a season of illness and grief, and even though we couldn't meet in person often, we kept in touch throughout the week. They are prayer warriors. Personally, I can say that each one of these ladies are like sisters to me, because my valley of grief from the loss of my husband, tied with the pandemic, almost got the best of me. But glory to God, he always provides just what we need at the exact time we need it. And I can now sleep, and not cry all the time because these sisters in Christ kept my petition before the Lord. And the same lady told me last week, she said, Margo, I hope that I never get too old to learn what God wants me to learn through the scripture. So will you pray with me? Oh, Father God, you are our shepherd and we are sheep. You are our king and you are our priest. Father God, you are worthy to be praised. Father, help us keep our eyes on you. Help us, God, to hear exactly what you want us to hear this morning. In the precious name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Come on, come on.
2: Good morning, church. So excited to get to worship with all of you guys uh, as a body this morning. It's so exciting, so exciting. Um, I see a few of you guys uh, carrying coffee this morning. It feels like that's the kind of morning that we're all having. A bit slow, but we're, (laughs) yeah, no, for real, for real. Um, But it's exciting to be in the house of the Lord, amen. Uh, As we uh, turn to to give this morning, as we turn to give offering and ask the ushers come, um, I wanted to encourage us um, and with the passage of scripture from Isaiah, it simply says this, Isaiah 12. Give praise to the Lord and proclaim his name. Make known among the nations what he has done and proclaim his name's exalted. Sing to the Lord for he has done glorious things. Let this be known to all the world. Shout aloud and sing for joy, O people of Zion. For great is the Holy One, Israel and that's our prayer this morning um, that as we sing that we remember how great of a God that we serve and that we worship that we would never lose sight of that That as we sing songs that we wouldn't just do so to fill the monotony of our week and it wouldn't be just a moment that we share together um, but rather that we would posture our hearts and our lives in a way that continually we remember that God is good and he should be proclaimed to all the nations so as we stand this morning as we as we turn to sing um, let's sing these these old words and they simply go like this and all to Jesus I surrender
0: all to
3: fellowship family on behalf of our elders and staff i want to express gratitude to all of you for your patience and encouragement during the pandemic it was an unprecedented time for all of us and though the disease is still with us it seems we can see the light at the end of the tunnel as the elders made difficult decisions on behalf of our church seeking the leadership of the holy spirit they guided us well through the process and kept both you and our staff safe. And speaking of our staff, they have done a phenomenal job providing live stream content for adults, students, and children. And now they're working hard to open services again to try and get us back to a sense of normal. But a friend reminded me this week as I mentioned the word normal, that normal is a setting on your clothes dryer. And he's right. I'm not sure normal should be our goal. God wants more for us than that. However, we are back to in-person services, and we want you to be back. Live streaming of services will continue to be a convenience for us when we are traveling or aren't feeling well. But it isn't the best option, nor what God intended for the body of Christ on a regular basis. We need to be together, worshiping, praying, studying God's Word weekly, both in community and in corporate worship celebrations. I was out of town recently over a weekend and it was great to be able to attend fellowship services virtually. But doing so will never replace the community, collaboration and culture of worshiping together as a body. We also need volunteers to work in our children's ministries. Get in there and invest your lives in our kids. We shouldn't have to close classes because we don't have enough workers. Our church finances took a hit as well during COVID. And I hope each of us this week will examine our giving to God through fellowship to help us accomplish God's vision and mission for our church. We need to catch up to where we were this time last year, or maybe even exceed it. Remember, we can't outgive God who has given so generously to us. One last thing. It seems our nation has never been more divided and certainly never more so in so many different directions. Fellowship Bible Church should be a lighthouse of hope and unity in our community and in our world. We are bound by a common purpose based on the truth of scripture and we will never waver from that foundation. When everything seems chaotic, let us be rock steady because we know our God is in control come what may. He is able to do abundantly more than we could ever ask or imagine. So let's keep our eyes fixed on him. Let's love well and let people see Christ in us. God bless.
4: Good morning, church family. It's a good word from Mickey this morning, and uh, just on behalf of our Fayetteville congregation, an incredible thank you to the elders um, and their repetition and ongoing meeting and seeking the Lord during this season in the life of our church, and uh, super grateful for their skillful hand in guiding and protecting us and in navigating so many uh, extreme emotions uh, during this season. And so uh, many of you are tired of us talking about all that, and uh, and I'm, I'm worn from that as well, but there's been some incredible lessons, and it's been good to be in this with you as my church family. God's taught me a ton of things to form me more into the image of Jesus as well. Hey, uh, something really fun real quick. I want everybody in here to turn your head at the risk of getting a crick in your neck Um, And I want everybody to look at our sound booth back there. Okay, you guys wave at us back there. Yeah. Hey, give them a hand. So behind the scenes, I mean, every Sunday since we've been down here in the last five and a half or so years, um, this team serves in a way they're rarely acknowledged, but they make things happen that many of us don't see. And a couple of weeks ago, we got to see the fruit of our live stream experience, as a young man was watching, and uh, he reached out to a staff person. Um, they ended up at a local bakery here in town, and the young man comes to Christ. And, uh, and he was baptized. That's worth clapping for once again, actually. And so we, we actually need help in tech production. And so it takes, across this building, um, from FSM to Fayette Kids to our training center classes to what happens in this room on a Sunday morning, um, it, it takes uh, 15 to 18 different hands and bodies and eyes as they work those controls, and they try to make this place come alive for us to experience what God has for us on Sunday mornings. And so um, if you're interested in that, hey, just as you go out, go meet Josh Blakely. He leads our team our team back there, and he'd love to connect to you, or you can use your QR code reader and um, and. Connect that way, and then they can uh, connect you with an opportunity to serve. So we're excited to have those places for you to serve. Some of you love that kind of stuff, and um, we'd love to have you hop in with us. Well, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and get those open. Like a real live Bible, if you have that, go ahead and open it up to Hebrews uh, chapter eight. Um, if you have a device or a phone and you're using that, then um, go ahead and scroll down to Hebrews chapter eight, and then... Um, I know I mention this every week. We're in week five of our Hebrew series this summer. It's never too late to pick up one of those guides. It has the passage for you. um, there to guide you in your devotional content, small group questions. And then there's actually extra information in there to help you understand Hebrews. And maybe some of the verses or passages that we don't touch on, there's some input in there as well. So we're gonna be in Hebrews chapter eight, uh, verses one to 13 this morning. I've got a question for you this morning. Is new always better? No, it's not. Now, that's what I thought too until I thought about a few examples of how new kind of is better. Uh, consider this one. Uh, t- transportation. And I thought about so many of you or us this summer making our way down through Greenville, Mississippi, and Hattiesburg, and the Mobile Tunnel down to the Riviera on the Gulf Coast, and I thought of all the families who, imagine going through the Mobile Bridge old school, okay, in this kind of heat with four or five children in tow, and the one good thing, on the way back, you would avoid the speed trap in Dumas and Grady, that area, In the trailer. And so just think of all the moms and dads that are thankful that in this case, new is better from a convenience and speed standpoint. A lot of happy moms and dads uh, due to the suburban in the minivan. Or how about this one? Some of you maybe grew up. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, The outhouse, okay? Who wants this in August in Arkansas? Uh, All inclusive with hornets and wasps and critters that may find their way in there. Uh, I'm thankful for new in this case. This one was a little tougher for me when it comes to cooking. No doubt, oh yeah, it, is that good? Yeah, no doubt, I, I love the stove and the ability to quick to cook dinner really quick, but man, one of my favorite things when we camp, um, especially at places like this, is uh, is the smell of bacon and eggs and Fried biscuits on that cast skillet, getting to see the sun come up. Oh, I love that smell. I don't know if new is better in that moment. Or how about finally this one? And I'm not going to go back far enough for many of you who grew up with community lines, but I still remember stretching this cord um, into a closet growing up. I think we had um, we had kind of a green one, and we had an extra long cord. And I remember hiding in the closet. Uh, asking a a girl out in the seventh grade, yeah, my parents, that's kind of how we rolled in our house, And, and I was asking her to go to the skating rink with me on this date, and I remember my sister getting on the other line and interrupting the ask, okay? And then you got this guy, and new seems to be better in that sense, but I don't know, I never know if someone's talking to me if they're singing, if they're in a conference call, if they're watching a video, it it's confusing to me. Sometimes I say hi to people and they weren't talking to me as they're engaged in this. Uh, they're on a conference call. And but this guy looks real happy and he seems at ease. And so sometimes a new is better, and sometimes the old needs an update. And it's not sufficient to meet the current task at hand and today definitively new is better when we contrast the old covenant with the new covenant and that's where we find ourselves kind of right here in the middle of Hebrews this morning uh, today we're introduced to a superior covenant if you remember our big themes the superior nature of Jesus Christ and because of that truth we're able to persevere in trials that we go through here on this side of heaven. Um, This new superior covenant makes the old covenant obsolete. And once again, in this series, we find Jesus right smack dab in the center of God's disruptive, progressive plan to make a name for himself and cause his people to be a light unto the nations. And he does that here uh, through covenant. We see that he mediates a greater covenant covenant. And so just in review, for those of you who are trying to catch up with us, I've got a few words on the screen. I want to summarize just where we've been to get you caught up from a context standpoint. Michael opened us up in Hebrews, and he helped us see that Jesus is the final word. Jesus is the final word. Garland helped us see that Jesus meets us in our pain, and he gives us poise in our pain. Uh, I then walked us through how Jesus offers us a greater rest, so much better than than a power nap. He's the true rest. Michael helped us see that he's the true, the better, the greater priest, king, and today we see that he mediates a greater covenant. But I think we need a little bit of history. If we're gonna understand the way this works, we're, we're, um, we're dancing in a lot of Old Testament language. And so for us, as New Testament Gentile followers of Jesus, Um, How do we connect the dots here? And so I think it helps to understand what covenant is. It comes uh, from the Latin, and it means a coming together. Uh, Two or more parties that come together, and they agree upon promises, stipulations, privileges, responsibilities. Uh, In the Bible, the word that translated covenant in the Old Testament is used 280 times. In the New Testament, 33 different times. And In the Old Testament, it carries with it this idea of being bound together. Uh, In the New Testament, it carries with it this idea, and that's why we call it New Testament, Old Testament, this idea of testimony. It's translated testimony or testament. Covenants, uh, whether it be a treaty uh, with a nation outside of Israel or the covenant that God makes with Israel, covenants presuppose something, that there's a king there's a domain, there's a way of life, Uh, there's a group of people that are in covenant with one another and with their king. Loyalty and service they give for provision and protection. And so you can see how this idea of covenant reveals our faithful covenant-keeping God. It reveals his character. And it wouldn't be until Jesus would come, as Israel's Messiah, that the covenants of man would be perfectly kept in heart and motive and in full action and obedience, and Jesus would ratify what we'll look at the new covenant today with the work that he gave us on the cross that was promised in the law and prophets and fulfilled to bring blessing to God's chosen people, Israel, to bring them into the land yet in the future, but also to Give spiritual blessing to those inside the New Testament Church, and so as we consider the context, we go back a little bit. There's this is not a kind of an all-inclusive list, but these are four some of the primary covenants that we see in the Old Testament. The covenant that God made with Noah, not to destroy the earth in that manner again. Okay, God initiated that covenant with a man, with Noah. He made a covenant with Abraham, Michael walked us through that, Genesis 12 and Genesis 15. In this covenant, he promised Abraham uh, would be a blessing to the peoples of the earth that he would give them land, that he would give them seed, he would multiply his descendants and then he would bless them. The covenant we're primarily gonna be focused on today in the old covenant is the Mosaic covenant, the covenant God made with Moses on Sinai. And this covenant was primarily designed to set Israel apart from the pagan nations around them and help them learn how to act accordingly when they were in the land. Some of the things we learned in Joshua together um, this past spring. And in doing so, as they walked with God in the land, as they communed with him through the sacrificial system, Uh, They would be a light unto the nations and reveal the holiness of his character. And they would reveal the distinct nature of what a faithful covenant-keeping God looks like in terms of relating uh, to him. This divine human relationship between Yahweh and Israel. And then finally, we have uh, what we call the Davidic, or the the covenant that God made with David, where he would uh, covenant with him to promise through him there would be an eternal kingship that would manifest itself. And so just a brief overview, there are some other types of covenants in the Old Testament, but those are uh, four big ones there. But this is the quote I want us to remember this week that I think captures the heart behind God's covenant-keeping love. And it's this quote right here. I will be their God and they shall be my people. I will be their God and they shall be my people. This is repeated all through Um, the Old Testament, and we see it repeated in our passage in a quote from Jeremiah um, this morning, the presence of God with his people from garden to glory. God wants to covenant with the people to dwell with them so that his presence would live in them and be made manifest and people would see the way the world was meant to be. The thing that we're all longing for, uh, this intimate Uh, This personal, this grand, treasured, protected relationship with a God who wants to be worshipped and he wants to give himself to us so that we can experience fullness of relationship. So we'll pick it up here in verse one and summarize verse one. You gotta love it when he starts out with this phrase. Uh, Now, this is the point of what we are saying. The point of what we are saying is This, and then he reviews for the next few verses what Michael summarized last week. Uh, He summarizes an argument that he began when I taught a few weeks ago in chapter 414. He summarized this idea of the priesthood of Jesus in the order of Melchizedek and how it's greater than the priesthood of Aaron. He continues to allude to Psalm 110 as he describes Jesus seated at the right hand of God. And if you miss that, go back and listen to that. Michael summarized these verses one through four for us very well. Verse five, they serve these things, the priestly duties, the tent, the tabernacle, the practices of how to experience atonement for sin. Uh, these things and the way these priests serve in their duty, they serve as a copy or a shadow of Of the heavenly things, for when Moses was about to erect a tent, he was instructed by God saying, see that you make everything according to the pattern that was shown to you on the mountain. This idea of pattern, of shadow, of copy, of sketch, plan, outline, the tent, the tabernacle, the sanctuary, the holy of holies. What's interesting here, if you consider the idea of a shadow, when you see a Shadow, you know something is there, but you don't see its substance. And so you're usually looking for the light that's causing the shadow, or you're trying to find if it's a person. And this can be eerie depending on what circumstance you find yourself in. But you're looking for the substance behind the shadow. So that's what we have here this morning. God is giving us the substance behind the shadow. What's interesting is that the shadow in this case, in the Old Covenant... Or tangible, physical things that you can see and touch. Substance is something even more real than that, and it's eternal. Something we can't see now, but it's the fullness of experience and relationship in a right relationship with God. And so we'll see substance this morning. We'll pick it up here in verse six. But as it is, the reason. That's a shadow, and it's not the substance of the real thing. As it is, the real thing is, Christ has attained a ministry. It's much more excellent than the old, as the covenant that he mediates is better, since he enacted it on better promises. For if the first covenant had been faultless, there would be no occasion. You wouldn't have to have an occasion to look for a second. So why better? Where is the fault Here. Better primarily refers to an eternal covenant, one that would be kept by God and God would enable us to actually keep our part of it. God initiates uh, this covenant. Verse 8 He finds fault with them when he says this The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I'll establish this new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. Not like the one I made with their fathers on the day when I took them out of Egypt out of the land of Egypt. He brought them out of Egypt. They crossed the Red Sea. They wandered in the wilderness. He prepared them to enter the land. He helped them cross the Jordan. And he was giving them a covenant of how they would act and relate to him and with one another inside the land. But they didn't do one thing. They didn't continue to keep the stipulations in that covenant. And so I showed no concern to them, declares the Lord. We find this writing in Jeremiah 31. It's one of the longest quotes from the Old Testament that we find in the New Testament. We see that the fault lied in, not in the God who made the covenant, but the covenant's intentions, was never, they were never meant to save fully, to save eternally. And the fault lies within the people who failed to keep it. They didn't have the internal ability, by God's spirit, to keep the covenant. Thus, the need for verses ten to twelve. For this is the covenant that I'm going to make with them, and this this is some of the the newness, the change, the unique nature, the st- distinct elements of this new covenant that He promised them. I'll put my law, my laws, into their minds, knowledge, an internal bent in our mind. I think. It, uh, Romans 12, one and 2, a renewed mind uh, towards following Yahweh's commands. I'll write them on the tablets of their hearts. Uh, there's going to be something in them that desires to follow, obey Yahweh in this new kingdom. I think of the Sermon on the Mount and how he took the Ten Commandments and he, he put them in our heart and he gives us the desire and the ability to to obey them, and then we see covenant language here: "I will be their God, and they shall be my people." This personal covenant language. There'll be no that they shall not teach each one to his neighbor and each one to his brother, saying, "Know the Lord why?" Because they all shall know me. I think of John seventeen three, and this is eternal life that they may know you, the only true God, in Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. As we talked about two weeks ago, there's nothing nothing greater than being fully known and exposed in our sin, and yet because of Christ being fully accepted by God to be in that type of relationship. From the least of them to the greatest. Think of all the demographics, be it socioeconomically or ethnically, and all the the range of types of people that the gospel made its way through as God played his plan out the course of history all demographics the least to the greatest will experience fullness of relationship in this new covenant the biggest thing here in verse 12 I will be merciful towards their iniquities and remember their sins no more a complete and a full forgiveness internalization of God's law a new way to relate to him through Christ and we also pick up some of this language I'm going to uh, I'd like you to write down Ezekiel 37, and this is also noted in your devotional guide as well. Um, just a greater revelation or fuller expression of the language used to describe some of the elements of this new covenant. What's really cool about the language here, uh, two things, one, uh, the use of I will over and over again. God initiates covenants, okay? He did, he did that in the Old Testament, he does it in the New by sending his son, Jesus, to dwell among us. He initiates the covenants. But you also see here, he considers not just the Mosaic covenant, but he brings elements of the covenant to Abraham and the covenant to David in here in his world. Well, at the end of 21, he says, I'm going to bring them into their own land. At the end of 23, I will save them from their backslidings. If you're a good Baptist in here, or that's your roots. There's the word right there, backslider. Okay, he's gonna save them from that and then he will cleanse them. This idea of the theme of Hebrews to give them full atonement and forgiveness. Covenant language, verse 23 there. They shall be my people and I will be their God. And my servant David shall be king over them and they'll walk in my rules and be careful to obey my statutes. He goes on to say this, this is amazing. It shall be an everlasting covenant there in twenty six. I'll set them in the land. I'll multiply them in my sanctuary, where I live, where I dwell, where I receive. Worship will be in their midst forevermore. And more covenant language. Uh, My dwelling place shall be with them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. And then one of God's primary purposes in dwelling among his people is found out in in verse 28 here. But the nations will know that I am the Lord, that Israel was to be a light unto the nations, and that is fulfilled in the new covenant. Earlier in chapter 37, he also says, I'll put my spirit in you. I'll put my spirit in you. So maybe this will help you see just some of the distinctions between the old and the new. Some of the distinctions between the old and the new covenant that we see here. The first covenant made with Moses here, was made with the nation of Israel for all these purposes that we've already stated. In the new covenant, God has a plan to follow through on his promises made to his nation, Israel. Some of those have been fulfilled and some yet to be fulfilled, and he will fulfill those. There's also implications for us in the new covenant. We get the blessing that was promised through those other covenants. And we get fullness, spiritually speaking, of life found in Christ as he becomes superior in the greater of all things for us as New Testament Gentile Christians. And so there's implications for the church here, not just for Israel. Uh, The old covenant was temporal. The new one is eternal. The old was a shadow. The new has substance. The old, you needed to repeat sacrifices at least for sure once a year on the day of atonement. In the new covenant, the sacrifice was fully completed. The old covenant, the priest was standing, not only offering um, atonement for the sins of himself and for the people, never resting, always needing to stand and work on behalf of the people as a priest. In the new covenant, we find Jesus seated at the right hand of God, a place of authority, Uh, uh, seated because something has been completed. The work of salvation is finished, and also he's seated as he continues to serve and make intercession on our behalf. And then finally, in the Old Testament, uh, the Spirit, God's Holy Spirit would hover and empower for certain tasks that God had need to be accomplished through the lives of his people. In the New Testament, at Pentecost, something changed. God put his Spirit in us, and those who to be followers of Jesus through faith in his death and resurrection, God's Holy Spirit now comes to indwell in them and God's temple becomes a place where he dwells in and through us in the life of our church here on this Sunday morning. So a few distinctions between the old and new and in summary in verse 13 he says in speaking of a new covenant, He makes the first one obsolete, and what is becoming obsolete and growing old is ready to vanish away. You see, all the hopes and expectations that God's people have related to their covenants, they find their climactic fulfillment in the person and work of Jesus, the Davidic Davidic Messiah, the ultimate seed of Abraham, the permanent, perfect, and heavenly high priest, He gives us eternal redemption. And as I work through this, I struggle with this idea of better or obsolete. And I realize that it's not about something bad and good, but between something temporarily good and something eternally greater. The amazing thing about the new covenant, that God not only kept his end of the covenant by following through and what he will follow through in his covenant for Israel and the church, but he followed through on our behalf, our side of the covenant. And that he came as the God-man, Jesus Christ, and Jesus fully obeyed the law in motive, in thought, in deed. And when we trust in his death, burial, and resurrection, his ongoing work for us, we get credit for perfectly having kept that law as we stand before a holy God. You see, God, in essence, keeps the covenant on both sides of This covenant. This is good news for us because Jesus has mediated a greater covenant. This covenant quote, I will be their God and they shall be my people. Okay. Little pastoral moment here. What does all this matter? I mean, what are we doing? Are you going to use the word covenant tomorrow on a Monday? Maybe you're doing a real estate contract or maybe you're attending a wedding tonight. You may hear the word used, but you know what, what does this really matter? I hope that Hebrews is turning into a somewhat of a worship experience because we know Jesus is better, all right? That's, that should be enough, all right? But is he really? Like as you come and go with others and interact with others in your work, in your play, as you come and go in your home, What does all this really matter? Is anyone up for a good dose of hope this morning? Anyone need some hope? Did you know the hope that we have in this new covenant, is should be something that we're not just kind of hoping works out one day and that we just got to drudge our way through our time on this planet, but that hope should invade the present. It should invade everything and all we do if this new covenant that God's given followers of Jesus, if he's given us complete forgiveness, what would your day look like tomorrow if you experienced no guilt and shame for your past? How would that change the way you interacted with others and the way you saw yourself before a holy God? Do you realize how crazy your life is when you make decisions based on living in guilt and shame. The atonement and the final work of Jesus has taken care of that. That should change your Monday. What if, your, what would your day look like if you stopped living as if following Jesus was a way to avoid the backhand of God? As if you could barter your way through the day hoping that parking spot would work out or if you do enough right things, then maybe God won't cause trials to come into your life. How many of you do deals with God like that? is not the gospel. That's not what the completed work of the atonement was for. What if your day looked different because of the finished work of Jesus? What would your Monday look like if you realized that God's spirit was in you each moment, each setting, the hog baseball game, each place you go? Interactions with your boss. What if you were the temple of God, God's spirit? What if you believed that God actually rescued you so that you would be a light into the nations of the world? And when you read the paper, you scroll down the news feed. How would that change the way you pray for the nations of the world to worship the one true God? What would it look like in your neighborhood, your work, your recreation, to live as if Jesus was not king in here this morning, but the true king of your heart as you come and go to live under God's banner that he dwells with you and in you. What if Uh, the new covenant changed everything? Well, Father, I wanna say thank you for the work of your son on our behalf, the good and better and greater and superior covenant that he offers us. Uh, Father, you've been our faithful covenant covenant, keeping God, not only to the nation of Israel as you continue to follow through on your promises to her, but to our church this morning here at Fellowship Fayetteville. Father, you are worthy of worship. The work of your son has made a way for us to communion with you this morning and also on Monday. May that be true of us as a people in Jesus' name.
0: My Father, there is no shadow of turning with Thee. Thou changest not, Thy compassions they fail not. As Thou hast been, Thou for breathe.
2: you guys. I'm so grateful for this. Also, know the prayer room is to our left and you guys is right. You guys need prayer this